You're listening to Anxiety's Very Own, where we talk all things mental health, pop culture, and most importantly, our love of Drake. Welcome to our very first episode of Anxiety's Very Own. I'm Keisha. And I'm Emma. And because none of you know us or know who we are, we're going to do a little introductory episode. Um, So for those who don't know, we're a podcast where we talk about our struggles with all things anxiety, mental health, uh, as well as our love and obsession, slight obsession for Drake. We're really excited to be doing this. Sorry, I cut you off. (laughs) Um, Anyway, shut up. I'm talking. No, I'm joking. Um, We're really excited to be doing this. And yeah, we thought we would uh, tell our our mental health stories, I guess, a little bit about um, our struggles with anxiety. And then we will also tell you a story about um, when we first met Drake. So, Emma. (laughs) Well, let's start with you. I'm actually sorry for cutting you off there. I, I was joking when I told her to shut up for everyone who doesn't know my sense of humor yet. Uh, <laughs> it's very awkward doing this through Zoom because I can see the pause both sh- through a screen and over the phone. So I can't, can't tell if you're waiting for me to interject or not. Okay, uh, yeah. But now I know. Yeah. Never, ever. Never interject. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> with something as silly as bang on. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, on that note, let me just jump right in here to my struggle with mental health. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) The nice light subject. Um, So I've always struggled with anxiety ever since I was a kid. Um, As a kid, I didn't really know what that feeling was. So I describe it to my mom as the scary feeling. And it was just kind of this looming fear that would come over me. And I didn't really know how to manage it or what to do with it. So it always turned into just like requiring like my mom to it passed. And then it wasn't until I got older and kind of, you know, was such a really a shy person um, that that also kind of translated into my anxiety as well. Um, so I basically have been struggling with anxiety my whole life and then it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I decided to do something about it because I kind of reached that breaking point of realizing like I can break the the system or I can find it with coping mechanisms so I've been in therapy for maybe like 10 years now um and I did have a previous experience with therapy when I was a kid when my parents got divorced but I actually don't remember that at all I think I blocked it out of my memory entirely. So it was kind of a new process um, when I got back into it. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, just kind of general anxiety that's always kind of followed me. And um, yeah. Do you, I mean, I think we're both big advocates of therapy. Um, what do you feel therapy has done for your anxiety? Um, it let me claim ownership of it Mm. rather than it becoming something that I was ashamed of or afraid of. It kind of let me own it in a way that, um, not to say I was like proud of it, but it became something that like, wasn't difficult, 
um, to as difficult to manage. And it also became something that like I could recognize a pattern when I was feeling a certain way or how certain things made me feel. And um, in turn, I found it kind of empowering that I could manage that thing that once like terrified me. Wow. Nice. Nice. Well, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it starts it starts young, and I think that um, that's something that parents don't realize necessarily. As I don't, they don't have to. I think people are probably more aware of it now. I think us, when we become parents, I think I'll be much more conscious of patterns of anxiety in my kids, um, because I've been through it. And also maybe it's, maybe it's the millennial thing. I think there's just like a different, we see that shyness and Mm -hmm. scariness that a lot of kids have as that's actually anxiety. Whereas I think a lot of people have often brushed that off as like, oh, my kid's just shy or they're just like, that's just a kid being a kid. And to some extent, I think it can, but that feeling of being scared young and like not mm-hmm. being able to speak because you're shy is the sign of anxiety. I know that for me, that's like totally. some of the first symptoms of anxiety and struggling with anxiety still now. I still feel that way sometimes inside. But as an adult, I'm like, OK, I can't not talk to someone who's speaking to me. But um, it starts it starts so young. So how, how old were you when you think you started feeling what you call uh, the scaries? Um, probably like three or four, but it's funny that you should say that too about like, I think, yeah, I think people, parents kind of use that excuse, like my kid is shy or something like that. But, um, as a kid, like you should have no inhibitions. And when that feeling is paralyzing, that's when you know, this isn't normal or this isn't, yeah, how kids should feel. Well, it's so interesting now as an adult seeing kids like, not that I'm really watching kids at playgrounds, but like when you sometimes just see kids, like sometimes I can see the kids that are struggling with anxiety or maybe having a mental health issue. And then sometimes you see the kids that are just like, they're not dealing with that at that point in their life. And hopefully they don't mm-hmm. ever have to, but um, there's, there's a big difference. There's a big difference because I don't think I've ever felt fully felt like, I had a great childhood and I was able to be a kid, but I think I've always been so conscious of how I'm feeling and feeling nervous and scared and sad or what are people going to say to me since as long as I can remember. And I don't think that's necessarily quote unquote normal for a child to feel that way. No, it's true. And I think that we touch on this in our intro, but we've known each other basically our whole lives. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's interesting that we felt like a gravitational pull towards one another. Like, you know, we basically spent every, we, we were neighbors. So we spent basically every afternoon or day together. And when there'd be things like talent shows, some people would thrive in that environment. And I just remember being petrified all the time and not wanting to commit to anything in that. (laughs) When I look at (laughs) pictures of us from our little talent shows as kids, like you in a lot of the photos always look so unhappy or like not unhappy but just like very cautious about me about being there (laughs) which is like it makes so much sense now 
Oh my god, I remember at one point my mom put me into a day camp that was an acting camp. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Which was like so I think I was 8 or 9. And I just remember hating every second of it. And every photo of me in this acting course is like stiff as a board, shoulders up to my ears, just facing forward the entire time, like could not even bend my knees if I wanted to walk. It was just like, it's yeah, it's awful. It was so awful all the time. I hate that. Yeah, my mom, my mom put me in acting camp too. And I remember <laughs> the acting teacher pulling my mom aside being like yeah I don't think this is for her because they really tried with me but I like was in the corner playing with my little like whatever my comfort toy was then Mm. and I just like you could not get me to open up it's like mom I can't be the actress you were okay not everyone can go to school for acting all right no but it is interesting too where you can kind of pick up these things like the trends because the one thing I did really excel at and I really loved was horseback riding all those day camps and lessons I loved and now it's like horses are such a common therapy animal Mm -hmm. and it now makes sense where I was so confident on a horse and so comfortable around a horse that I can see kind of those patterns where they started as a kid and horses Um, understand your temperament I feel entirely there's so much trust there that's just based on like energy Wow. That's thank you for sharing. I've been on a horse twice in my life and (laughs) I'm probably good on that forever, but I I think horses are great. And I know a lot of people do find like that becomes a a form of therapy for them Mm -hmm. and they find solace in those majestic animals. It's it's very true. Yeah. Um, Well, thank you for sharing. Emma, do, did you have anything else you wanted to share? <laughs> no, not at all. Okay. No, let's transition into you and your story here. Um, everyone, this is our first episode, so a little shaky. Sorry for these awkward transitions. But um, yeah, for me, very similar. Started really young, really shy kid. Um, I think I remember started fully feeling like what I now know to be as in- when I was eight years old. Um, but I definitely was dealing with it before. But I think eight years old when I, is when I started having panic attacks or what I now know to be panic attacks. And my anxiety started through, I was bullied really badly at school. So there was always like that fear of going to school from a really young age. And then it just kind of progressed. It just... Um, looking back, I think the anxiety was pretty crippling, like a lot of crying, a lot of just being scared to do things and not being able to understand why. Uh, mm. I was only felt at safe with like the kids that we grew up with. Like, so you and some of the other kids in the complex, like those were the people where I felt like I could, I could fully be me and didn't feel anxiety. But in mm. every other setting, like I became like a really... I think when people would look back on how I was at school, they either wouldn't remember me because I was so quiet and like shy, or they would think I was like a really odd kid. There's, there's no question. Even, even probably (laughs) when I was a teenager, there's, I'm sure there's people that still think that, but my anxiety has always been crippling and it got worse and worse. Um, as a teenager, like really bad as a teenager. And then when I was 16, I was diagnosed with depression. So 
um, dealing with depression, anxiety, social anxiety as well. Like it became really hard to leave the house as I got older. Um, there's one point where I was missing so much school because I just could not get out of bed. And I know that was partially to do with depression. And that also had a lot to do with anxiety. The social aspect of things used to absolutely terrify me. And I think sometimes it still does, but I think I've developed tools to work around that. But I do find with the pandemic and in quarantine and being so isolated from people that like when I have to go somewhere where there's people or I have to kind of speak to someone, I feel that social anxiety aspect coming up. And I was like, Hey, my social anxiety actually never went away. I just have developed tools to work on it. And now because I haven't had to work on it, because I don't really have to talk to anyone. Mm -hmm. It's been, it's been coming back um, for sure. So Yeah. yeah, I've, been dealing with it my whole life um I think recently the panic attacks have sort of started coming back I've been therapyless for a hot minute now because I've had some I've had some really bad therapists (laughs) over the past like year and a half and that will be for another episode we'll talk about the journey of me finding a new therapist but um I'm definitely feeling I need to go back and I feel like I don't know what the word for it is. It's not a relapse, but it's like, I kind of feel like my mental health is not in a great state right now. And Mm -hmm. there's this shame that comes with mental health. It's like, I look at it as like, Oh, I'm not doing as well as I was doing a year ago or two years ago. Like I'm worse off. Like, and I feel like all that hard work for nothing. Like I've had this weird mentality where it's like, I've lost everything I've worked so hard for, which is not how it is or how it should be. But like, there's so much shame around anxiety and mental health. And it's like, even though I've always been like therapy and this and that, I've not been listening to myself. And lately I've been in this weird like shame spiral with my anxiety um, because it's not great right now. Even though everyone's anxiety is probably, everyone's mental health who struggles with mental health issues is not doing well right now with this pandemic. And I think a lot of people are realizing that they actually have mental health issues that they didn't realize they had before the pandemic as well. So, yeah. Did I tell my story? I I hope. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Sometimes when you're talking... On a, in a podcast format, like you feel like you're missing so many points because you just want to make sure you get everything. Um, but yeah, that is that is my anxiety story. So um, it's work in progress. I don't think there's I don't think you ever combat any of this stuff, but definitely need to start working on my mental health a little more. I got I've been I've been kind of lazy on that these days. Yeah, I. I find that sometimes too, if I slip up in a self-care way as well, just like taking care of myself, I need to do that more often. So I've made more of a like concerted effort to like take long baths and just like listen to a podcast or go for a walk, just little things that ultimately, even though it doesn't feel like it's for my mental health, actually make significant changes to my mental health. And also doing things like... um I found really helpful in like the self-care aspects. There's like, yeah, the, like the pampering yourself and exercising and doing things, meditation, things like that. I also have found like doing things that I've been putting off for a really long time, like 
yeah I did my monthly budget because I haven't been doing I usually try and like write out a budget to try and stick to every month or even sometimes for a year just to get an idea and mm-hmm. I hadn't been doing it because well one we weren't going anywhere but I've been putting little things right. like that off and I did it this weekend or this past weekend and I was like oh this felt so good to do mm. but even like little things you've been putting off it's like one less thing at the back of your mind so even like cleaning and all that kind of stuff but I'm not suggesting that as a cure I know sometimes people like to like be like oh make your bed you'll feel so much better no sometimes when you're in the thick of it making your bed doesn't actually make you feel any better but I have found checking things off my to-do list that I've been putting off has been helpful it's added a sense of normalcy to um the chaos I've been feeling in my head hey question I just said normalcy, yeah. but is it normalcy or normalcy? Because I've heard people say normalcy and it throws me off so much. I think normalcy is what normalcy, I'm Normalcy, right? There's no A. I heard someone say normalcy the other day. And I was like, I think I've heard it before. But I'm like, what? Have I been saying it wrong? Is that the British way of saying it? No, but you know what's funny about you saying that? The other day, I... I I know the word awry, obviously, but I spelt it out for the first time and I was like, oh my God, I've always read this as Ari. Oh, interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Even though I, in my head, knew it as the same thing, I'd read it as Ari and say it out loud, awry. That's so funny. It's weird how the brain, our brains do do that. It's It's a crazy crazy thing the brain, isn't it? (laughs) But I would agree with that point, actually, that you said, because if I feel like there's a task I need to complete and I'm not completing it, I get my anxiety actually gets worse and worse. Yeah. But that's also like the frustrating thing with mental health, too. I Anxiety and depression for me is like. I'll put off so many things because I feel like I can't do it, but then it's not being done and then I'm feeling worse that it's not done. Um, so. When yeah. I can- feel like I can do it and I do it, it feels really good. And like I said, it, it adds a sense of um, normalcy, normalcy to the chaos that is in my head. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, did you have anything else to add on the on the mental health tip? No, I feel like that's a, a solid introduction for us both. Okay, um, so we're gonna we're gonna swing all the way to the other side of the spectrum, uh, <laughs> and we're gonna get to the Drake part of the podcast. Uh, a lot of this podcast will probably just be like a Drake podcast, a lot of Drake episodes. But um, we love Drake so much. I think we're yeah. I would say we're Drake super fans. Not like we wouldn't go to a concert with holding a sign or anything. Maybe. No. <laughs> Nothing like that. No. Uh, but we have been a part of our, a huge part of our friendship is, is keeping up with Drake. It's Drake. It's Drake. <laughs> yes. So keeping up with Drake. how did, how did it start? Okay. So 
we have known each other for our whole lives. We're 29 and 30 now. I think we've known each other since we were like two and three. So a long time. But there, I think there was a period, not I think, there was a period where like went to different high schools, didn't live next door to each other anymore. Like we didn't yeah. really talk to each other for a few was, years, I guess. It was, I think it was about like a, uh, I want to say like a five year span because I, I know what brought us back together. And it was the Spice Girls yeah. reunion tour. Um, and we went to that together. But yeah, there was definitely, I think, yeah, probably about five years there, which makes sense. Especially, yeah. Yeah. So there was a, there was a lull in friendship. But yeah, we reconnected at the Spice Girls reunion concert. Don't even know how we reconnected for that. But that was amazing. I think that's when we both realized, like, we really love going to concerts and love music, which everyone does. But we also realized we uh shared the same taste in music like emma was the only mm-hmm. one that i knew that was listening to lil wayne like i was listening to lil wayne because no one <laughs> no one around me like listen <laughs> growing up i was the token black friend all right uh none of my i don't think really any of my white friends were listening to lil wayne but emma was like <laughs> knew like every lyric to paper bag boy like she was like she knew <laughs> Wait, is that what the song's called? That is one of them, yeah. You, I don't know. We just, we really connected on that and reconnected through music and obviously the Spice Girls reunion tour. So um, Drake, when we saw, first saw Drake, it was in, what year was it? 2009, 2010. 2010. 2010. Yeah, summer 2010. Summer 2010. I had been listening to Drake and I knew I liked him, but it was Emma who was like, more of a fan of drake than i was i knew i knew he was the future yeah i was still on like that's jimmy from degrassi and he's rapping even though i was kind of like this mixtape is pretty good (laughs) and i was only (laughs) listening to that um and it was you you contacted me about going right well we'd been listening to him yeah because um i just got my driver's license or I got my N, so it, I had the full ability to drive on my own with one friend. Right. <laughs> um, and thank me later, just dropped, and that basically became like our driving CD. Because as anyone knows, when you first get your license, all you want to do is just go on late night drives all the time. Yeah. So we basically just like drove in circles, um, listening to Thank Me Later, and then yeah. Then we were like, I think we need to go to the show. But we weren't like at the forefront of buying tickets because we didn't buy tickets actually when they initially went on sale. It's sold out. Actually, you're better at telling the story. Uh, yeah, so it was sold out. And then you had meet and greet passes, uh, a meet and greet thing, right? You were able to obtain mm-hmm. a meet and greet, but we didn't have tickets for the concert. So you're like, hey, I have meet and greet, but we need to, we need to get tickets. And you yeah. found someone selling the tickets on Craigslist. Yeah. And so get these tickets. Okay. We go to a parking lot at like Brentwood station here in British Columbia and uh, not necessary. I could edit this part out. Okay. Wait, I'm going to wait. Stop. Okay. We get okay. our tickets at a parking lot uh, for, for cheap now in retrospect, like, as you said, it was like 90 bucks each for a ticket. I would love to go see, a concert any concert for 90 bucks really now these days 
Yeah. And in a venue of that size too. I think the venue capacity maybe had to be like 5,000 at yep. the very most. Um, it was that, was that the perfect venue for like, I think this was Drake's mm-hmm. first like big tour, I'm assuming, or biggish tour. Um, and the venue was located downtown. This venue would no longer exist, unfortunately. It's just a giant mega church now that believes in conversion therapy. So some of you that might be listening, I know you're churchgoers that go to this church and maybe you're not aware of that, but please stop going to that church. I've been meaning to tell you for years, stop going there. Um, but yeah, it was now a mega church, but it was the perfect venue. We went, saw Drake. <laughs> it was fireworks. All I see is fireworks. Topical. It was so good. And as we mentioned before, this actually isn't our first time recording this podcast. But um, oh, this is at the this was the phase where like girls were throwing their bras up on stage, and Drake was pulling girls up on stage and kissing them, which is in retrospect absolutely disgusting. But I do think twenty year old me was like, oh man, like. I wouldn't sure. say no if I was the chosen one, but I wouldn't have been the chosen one. Um, I didn't fit the criteria. I don't think either of us fit the criteria of what they were looking for that evening. That's okay. No, that's okay. But uh, yeah, the concert was amazing. And then came the time to use the meet and greet passes. And we met him. So. <laughs> it's always so funny telling this story so everyone was there to go meet him like all the like cute groupies were on the side that they were like picking and then there was us like these like two excited youngins ready to meet drake and yeah we go he's there takes a picture taller than i expected smelled so good i always say this he smelled like fresh squeezed lemons like with a hint of like linen or something just so fresh okay so fresh we take our picture as we're leaving he grabs my wrist and I always have to tell people he grabbed my wrist so hard like it wasn't a light grab it was hard it was like how you'd grab a three-year-old having a temper tantrum but like not so violent (laughs) and he looked me in the eyes and he said did you enjoy the show and I was like yeah and Emma was like, yeah, this is the best show I've been to in my entire life. It's <laughs> like, no okay. At all. Oh, I was so jealous. So jealous. Yeah. And <laughs> that was it. <laughs> no, and then they, someone took a picture. Right, because we couldn't take a picture us. with our own phones. I don't even think camera phones were even You're right back then. You're right. Um, but yeah, someone took a picture and then we start walking out and like halfway through the walkout, I turn around and frantically yell, how do we get the picture? <laughs> so between Drake being like, okay, and then you trying to figure out how to get the picture, it was a little chaotic, but it's... There's one thing I don't know how to do, and that's keep my cool. (laughs) (laughs) If there's one thing, no. But I think that's what makes this story so memorable. And I think sometimes when we talk about it, because, like, I know we had hoped to go to, 
we wanted to like go to like where he was going after or go to the after party or whatever but I actually wasn't 20 yet I was 19 which is legal age in Canada but Emma was still 18 and so we wouldn't have been able to go anyways but I I think at that point in our lives we were still like we're still kids and I feel like we had the we totally perfect were. experience like looking back I'm like I feel bad for those groupies I don't feel bad for them I'm just like it's not the same memorable experience I don't feel it we no, had it's true. so I don't know I'm I'm really appreciative of it I love that Emma was <laughs> didn't keep her cool <laughs> typical typical me because I don't think I would be able to be like I don't think it would be the same if I was like yeah we got drunk with Drake after like I just don't it wouldn't be the same no, and I like how it, it honestly speaks to us mm-hmm. so well. It's who we are. It's still, it to this day, yeah. 10 plus years later, exactly. it's, it's who we are. <laughs> oh, I honestly, I think if we were to meet Drake today, it would kind of go down the same. Exactly the same. I think maybe, I think yeah. we would have a little, <laughs> would keep your cool a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> maybe slightly. slightly. I think, I think that also makes me laugh so hard was this was at the height of wearing um blazers so Keisha and I both look like secretaries in this picture with Drake so I think our outfit game has <laughs> significantly improved Keisha also has a massive purse oh my gosh I know <laughs> although I still carry around massive purses. like a laptop case that thing I know huge. but that was that was when Kim Kardashian was like was blowing That's up true. and she wore blazers and so we were just following what was trendy very on trend um, but it definitely looks it like we like went to drake after we left the office and went to drake <laughs> and then yeah uh, our, our, i think our just our drake favorites. love affair just it just skyrocketed from there and we've been to a few Drake concerts together we've been to OVO Fest together and I mean the next kind of heightened what I feel like what could have been reaching more um new heights with Drake but we'll pick that up again for sure oh I can't wait it's true it's I think this is actually the longest I've gone in the last 10 years without seeing him live I know I know and it's about stat. to be certified lover boy season and obviously he can't tour with it not for a while so that kind of sucks i'm like am i going to be 45 by the time we're allowed to go to a concert again and i'll be like <laughs> hey kids i'm going to take you to see drake this is what i was into well keep it <laughs> keep in mind if you're 45 <laughs> 50 pushing almost yeah. over 50 over 50 so um actually i hope that maybe well maybe he'll still be going to drake concerts at 45 and maybe he'll still be doing concerts at 50 but it won't be the same absolutely i will never stop yeah no going. we're going for like hey are, can we make that packed right now no matter yeah. what we'll never yes. stop going agreed entirely i'm ready to put as i already have with you as well across tours trips merch worth thousands deep at this point it would be it would be shameful devastating to stop now (laughs) 
would be. And I feel like the people around us would be so disappointed as well because I feel like so many people I know know I love Drake and like part of their identity or like uh, with our friend, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, like part of their friendship with me is sending (laughs) me Drake stuff. And sometimes I'll be like, oh, oh yeah, for I already sure. seen it. I was like, you know, you don't actually have to take me in all the Drake news. I appreciate <laughs> it and I love you for it. But guys, you don't have to take me in everything, <laughs> Drake. But it's like uh, a part I of know. us. Exactly. We have like a sixth sense. Like we just know when to log on to Instagram know, and there'll be something. I know. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think we should uh, probably wrap things up now. Thank you for listening to our introductory episode did you have anything else to add emma no i'm very excited to get back okay cool well um thank you for listening everyone um and we'll be back next week with another episode i love how i said everyone thank you for listening one and we'll be back next (laughs) week for another episode (laughs) bye bye That concludes this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed. If you do enjoy what we're doing, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That helps a lot. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at anxietiesveryown at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.